1: Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. First disclaimer of the day, Brian Fromm is not here. He's suffering for the Lord in sunny California. He and his daughter are having a good time out there. He went to do a a wedding. But I'm glad that you're here. And you can find out more at Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com. But friends, you are in for a real treat. Because in the studio, sitting right across from the table... Right this very moment is Bishop Dr Michael J Love welcome to the show sir it's good to be with you and thank you so much my pleasure i just want people to know uh briefly a couple of places they can find you before we kind of dive into this conversation first uh, trinitybcci.org you can also go to lovefamilychristianfoundation.org and you're probably wondering Why does this man have two different websites? You're about to find out. But he also has a show on this very station called Life Lessons, and that's Sundays at 7 p.m. on AM 1160. And you and I, I think we connected probably a couple years ago fairly randomly. Was that a Judson connection first? That was a Judson
2: connection. We were at a spiritual council meeting that Dr. Dean Kroom had put together. That's right. We were in the room together. And how, do you, do you recall why we connected at all? Was it sort of like a, I think I saw you thinking like, I want to be friends with that guy. No, I, I remember. I do remember because it do? stood out. It stood out. We were in the con, we were having a conversation. Gene was doing a, a feedback session. Oh, right. During right. that time. And he had th- tossed out several questions for us around the table to talk about. And, uh, I, we might have been at different tables, but I remember us talking. Each individually talking about each of those questions, and I turned to my wife, the other doctor, Love Karen Love, who's a professor at Judson. Yes, right, right. And I said, "We got to get to know Ian. He's, oh, he's on man. top of this thing. Oh yeah. man, I love the energy he brings. Thanks, man, to that, and 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 the accuracy he brings to that piece.
1: I did not know that story. I promise, I wasn't teeing you up to make me look good. <laughs> but that, it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> know, well, well, the feeling was definitely mutual, man, because I've I've certainly been in gatherings like that. Where sometimes you wonder, like, do you guys even want to be here? Like, what are you doing? Like, and I remember, like, you and your wife, your energy and your passion, uh, not just for, like, the, the macro vision, but the micro vision of Elgin in particular and partnering with Judson. You know, Judson's yes. my alma mater, and so I have a lot of love for that school and community. Excellent. And one of the things that I've, I've known to be true of you, not just, uh, in what you say, but in how you live, is bringing people together. How, how do we build, better bridges when our world seems to get more and more divided, not just in the church world either. Like you, you're involved in like community health and helping bring leaders and thinkers together. Like where, where did all of that come from for you?
2: I tell you, the Lord really gave me a, he gave me a real heart for, for church leaders and community leaders. uh, Even as we were starting our ministry and Mm. and moved here to the Chicagoland area from Tennessee, we went corporate America as a part of that transfer that brought borders here, mm. and it seemed like wherever we landed when we were starting our little church twenty eight and a half years ago in this little school in Cary, Illinois, wow, uh, we we always seemed to migrate to the pastors in the area and wanted to get them together to see what could we do. I, I love the diversity. Mm. And then we were always coming as a as a minority to a to a majority Caucasian area, right? But. There was always a heart to reach out to these young men and women and find out what is God doing in this area and how can we come together around some things in this area and what is God saying for this area? Yes. And how can we support each other in this area? And, um, it is it, nothing necessarily unique about that. It's just that there's, this there really wasn't any real passion mm. that I've, that I felt from the other leaders to come together. Everybody mm. was focused. In their little local silo. Right, right. And doing what they're paid to do, you yes. know. And, and that just wasn't <laughs> enough for me. I mean, the Lord just had that burden on my heart. You you, you know how that feels. Here. Yes, I do. And uh, it's a special, special when we can get a group together and, and do some things together.
1: Well, and that's the thing. It, It is. And I think people that haven't experienced that don't know what they're missing. Like that's when awesome. I when I moved out to Chicagoland to study at Judson, um, I had had that same passion but didn't have any language for it. I actually met a man named John Armstrong mm-hmm. who had been leading this ecumenical movement for quite some time and i remember hearing someone teach on ecumenism and i remember thinking oh there's a word for that like right. that's you know growing up in detroit having seen a lot of what you were saying these like siloed very territorial churches that refuse to like link arms across any kind of aisle mm-hmm. and i like i'm curious why you think that's so rare like why why that burden that you have to come together why is the burden for for john 17 type of unity? So rare, even in like increasingly divided times.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's always interesting to me to to look at that and study Mm, that and analyze that Mm. and then and and step into it with others, you know, like like you and I, when we spend time talking about it, because it, it seems it's it's. It's got to be a piece of the fallen nature piece. It's so easy to isolate into, right. into areas that look comfortable to yes, you. There, it's right. no risk, low risk areas. Hmm. And to do what you commonly have done all through your, your history uh, or experiential background and just stay there. Just say, right. OK, you know, you're paying me to do this job, so I'll stay safely in this silo. Right. You're paying me to manage this little group so i'll stay safely and we we'll, we'll pass to this little group over here and and i don't really need to be a city reacher to reach out and mm. have impact on my territory because i, I just want to do what i'm doing and and be safe at what i'm doing and to invite somebody to step outside of that safe zone and expand their vision, yes. and, and see see the Im- impact that's greater than really they are, and trust God in doing that moment of stepping outside the boat when He tells you to come on the right on the water, you know, what <laughs> right, I mean? right. It's it's, a, it's it just seems to be difficult, and even when even I found that even when even when leaders take that initial step, they have that they have that spark in their heart, mm. but they, they just don't seem uh, bold enough to take. To take the step and continue the process. Oh, interesting! It might take that initial step, sort of as a one-off. As like, a okay, one-off. and then retreat back and to then, safety. Exactly. <laughs> and then they, they immediately repeat, retreat back to their safety zone, and uh, and and I, it's it's just not enough for mm. us to uh, to stay in our stay in our boxes. You know, it's yeah. just way too much happening around us and too much for us to do.
1: That's interesting because I never really thought about it in terms of safety because, like what you said, it isn't just building bridges and linking arms because I think when you do that, some of your own paradigms get challenged a little bit. Yes. They should. I think when you like are really look into the eyes of people who look and talk and act and believe a little bit differently than you do, it should cause Maybe a little bit of healthy friction, mm-hmm. and I think I think you're I think you're spot on. Sometimes uh, a, a real idol for us can become our theological certainty, yes. right? Or our isolationism, like we this church figured it out, and we yeah. can't let any any other thoughts infect that. Mm-hmm. And I think that can lead to a, a very kind of closed off ministry. And I'm wondering, like, so you how long have you been in Elgin now?
2: Uh, we bought that facility in Elgin in 2014.
1: 2014. And have you yeah. seen progress in this area of? Growth and diversity and unity and reaching out and
2: yeah, we have, we have, we have. And and uh, I immediately when we stepped into that area, you know, we our church is located in Crystal Lakes, so right? Elgin is a is a, is a, a plant, an extension of our right. outreach, right? Um, I wanted to step in. I knew some of the pastors, but I wanted to step into that area and and do what you would do, do the analysis. What's the needs mm. analysis here, right? Uh, what is going on in the city? What's been happening historically in the city? What's the culture of the city? Yeah, you know, how's it play into God's vision for what he's planning and my thinking and others thinking about wanting to reach out and have impact in the city. So I wanted to make sure I spent time listening and, and hearing and and coming alongside and saying, you know, the Lord has blessed us with this, this, this 50,000 square foot facility, the old Masonic temple that we're renovating. It's beautiful. And now how can we use this? I'm not coming to receive anything from you, Mm -hmm. but how can we use this to pour into this community? That's, that's really the heart that we bought that we continue to bring to it. And we're looking for ways to just do that. I
1: love that. That's such a good, compelling vision. I feel like even people that aren't necessarily team Jesus or they like, that's who doesn't want to be a part of something like that for their city, for their neighborhood. And that's, I think the genius of your leadership is that you think well beyond some of the traditional confines of what, you know, a church could look like or what a ministry could look like. And I think, Thank God. That that to me is really inspiring. And you're going to stick around with us for the whole hour. That has been uh, Dr. Michael J. Love. Uh, you can listen to his show at Life Lessons. at Sundays at 7 p.m. here on 1160. You can also find out more at trinitybcci.org or lovefamilychristianfoundation.org. But he's going to stick around. We're going to learn more about building bridges, about loving our community, about leadership and church planning and all that good stuff here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. Brian Fromm is still out of town. He tells us he's going to return. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But you can find out more about the show on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160Hope.com. But I am absolutely thrilled to have in the studio Bishop Dr. Michael J. Love in the studio. Let me tell you a little bit about where you can learn more. His church, TrinityBCCI.org, the foundation, the Love Family org. He also has a show on this very station called Life Lessons, that's Sundays at seven PM right here on AM 1160, and we've been talking about honestly maybe one of my favorite topics to talk about, and that's how do we bring people together yeah. in a really divided world. In fact, that's a lot of the the goal and hope for this show when we talk about the common good. Like, what does it look like for us to to lean in rather than lean back when, from our echo chambers and our confirmation biases, sides just seem to be getting louder and louder and louder. And your you're a leader in the community and a number of different, you wear a number of different hats i'm curious how do you do that personally you have a church you have a foundation but how, how do you navigate tumultuous waters of disagreement and people who just want to shout louder and louder at each other like what what's some wisdom for actually like building
2: building unity there thank you it's it's a uh, what i found in some of the conversations it's it's it's, it's the challenge of getting at uh, not only the core question of what does God have for us to do and what is he doing in this particular area and, and why is he bringing us together around this? Right. There's a purpose and plan involved in this. So why is he bringing us together hmm. in a way that he's done that? And then kind of get at it from a human level. How do I get at the what's in it for you question? Oh, good. Not the what's in it for me. Right. But what's in it for you? How do I? What, are the thing, what is the thing that you're reaching for, you're hmm. struggling with, that you're— that you're grappling with, that you, you, there's a solution that you're trying to find. Yeah. That us being together in this, this, this setting or in this room or in this relationship can kind of help you, help you address or help us come together around addressing that yes. fits not only you on the micro level, it right. fits the community on, on the macro level. That's so good. <clears throat> and so it may be cultural, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it may be, it may be, it may be economical. It may be class components in this piece here. It may be denominational, it may be theological, like you have said so right. beautifully, that that are that are really kind of uh, uh, I call them they are just kind of fake barriers. Mm. They're, they're, they're just things that the world put up to try to keep us apart from each other that we it.
1: end up thinking are legitimate,
2: but they really they, 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 it's they a just, vapor, right? Just it's a vapor. Yeah, that's a, that's a good term. Mm. They're just vapor. Mm. And and sometimes you just got to help people move beyond help them to move help us all to move beyond uh, you know that vapor like wall yeah. that separates us to get to who get to knowing who we are and then finding that 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 kingdom common ground that we have that's so good and moving in that direction because that passion i mean once we get at that and you strike, you strike that passion chord in the individual that God has placed in us. It, it, things light up. They light up, exactly. Man, they light up. Exactly.
1: Even. Which, again, seems so obvious. And I, I'm wondering if, like you mentioned in the last segment, that you have often been a minority entering a majority context. Uh, I'm curious, one, what's that been like? And two, what have you learned from that particular? Because, you know, as a as a white male like I'm often in the majority context, mm-hmm. at least in you know in Chicago land or the Midwest, and I'm curious what what you think that has contributed to your understanding of everything that you were just talking about. Like, has that made you more adept at helping strike at people's passion areas and like see past the the vapor
2: walls uh, and and better build bridges in communities? It has. It, 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 it truly has. Um, we are we are put. Our church, Trinity, is predominantly an African American church, but it's always been an it's always been an integrated church. It's mm. always been a multicultural church, mm. and and uh, and coming from Tennessee, and we lived in Virginia. My earlier years, I was in evangelistic ministry, so I was traveling and preaching all the time. Oh, right on, in multicultural churches, and so I think that was preparation for him calling us here mm. to start a church in the Chicago land area. the the beauty The beauty of it is, it's. When you come with a when you come with a the concept of really you know we're just brothers and sisters you know our skin color really is is, is, a, is a temporary issue that mm. that we got going on down here on the mm. earth realm <laughs> so let's get about God's business when you come with that, that kind of a mentality and you just love folk for who they are you yeah. just and you you always seek to find what God has planted in them in the way of their giftedness and their calling and purpose and then help them to point toward that, that mm. and get them involved in those areas it, it, it Something about the loving on them just just it, it removes that 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 barrier. That, yes, right. That, that facade that we keep putting up to separate ourselves. Right. And uh, uh, I'm going a long way around that. But when I got to the pastoral side of meeting with pastors and meeting with with leaders in the community, and still do. One of the things that always fascinates me, particularly when I'm dealing with Caucasian brothers and sisters, is that is is how this. This this society, this world we live in, has this amazing ability to heap guilt on you. Hmm. <laughs> you know you're feeling it, yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? Everybody and does. Yeah, everybody does, and absorb it. You yeah. know the the cultural distinctions, hmm. and so a lot of a lot of the time, getting to know, as I was getting to know pastors and leaders, and still still do, it's 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 sitting across the table and saying, "Hey, man, we just." I mean, we're just brothers, Ian. Right. We're just family across this table here. That's right. That's right. You know, we don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be feeling, you don't need to start putting on any slave owner guilt, Mm. (laughs) false Mm. false concepts in your mind that's Mm. been placed on you by this world setting. And I don't need to be bringing in any kind of slave baggage and putting it on the table and say, okay, now I got stuff I'm holding against you and I don't even know you. Right. That's just kind of ridiculous to me. Interesting. So I I go right to the family community mode. Hmm. And, and try to break down those types of barriers, and they and it just brings it just lets the the air of uh, what's my term the, the the air of any kind of pressure mm. separating us dissipate. And you can just and you can just be who you
1: are. Be right? you There's are. just like a and why so that's a, that's such a beautiful concept. The, the idea that you know one of the things I said yesterday in our sermon as we were preparing for the Eucharist was that the table is not for the worthy; it's for the hungry. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about you know, you've crossed every T and dotted every I, right, you know, right. you're tithing the right amount or you joined a small group or like Jesus says, come all who are weary, right? right. There's this invitation to a meal. In fact, the, the fact that he would share a meal hours before his death rather than giving one more sermon or performing one more miracle, like there's something sacred, I think, about oh, yes. the table. Like what are some ways that you, either through the church or the, through the foundation, you're like setting up tables. You're having these conversations with people that maybe are disenfranchised
2: or they've never actually engaged at this level. Like how do you, how do, you do that practically in your yeah. communities? So, so, you know, using the foundation as a concept. And we, we we the Lord led us to move into this leader's luncheon mm. project. And uh, when he laid that on my heart about two, two years ago, uh, I meet with a group. It, it seemed it's, it was interesting to me. It was fascinating to me. And I meet a group with a group of pastors from Aurora up to McHenry County. We come together every three months and we just kind of share vision, share ideas, Love that. share concepts. You know, what's God doing in our different areas? Yes. And I shared with them. I said, the Lord has prompted me now that we have this building. To, to find a way to give away this space, to, to, to impact the community with this space. I love that. And one of the things he's laid on my heart is is to identify, started like he gave me 70. He identified 70 key leaders wow. who are city-reaching leaders wow. throughout, up and down the Fox Valley and, in, and towards Chicagoland. And, and in the process, and, and they said, oh, that's, you know, we've been trying to do that forever. We've been trying. I said, really? I know you have. Oh, I know you yeah. have. I said, but. I'm just going to call these guys. And these guys <laughs> what a novel idea. I said, I'm just going to call them, and I'm going <laughs> to share this vision with them, what God has placed on the heart, and invite them to come. It's going to be free. I'm going to say, give me two hours of your time, Yeah, and we're just going to focus in on how can we better connect, mm. how we can start communicating what's going on in our areas, and then how can the Lord lead us to begin the process of collaborating. Yes. So that's how it began. I love that. And I've
1: actually been there for one of those. And it is exactly as you said it was. And so refreshing too. You could look around the tables and everyone's expression said, I wish we'd done this 10 years ago. Yeah, Like why, why we couldn't. Then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that coming up next, because I'm curious why you've been successful in that area when so many leaders in the past have failed to actually build those networks and build those connections. And uh, that's, what's going to come up next with uh, Dr. Michael J. Love. You can learn more at TrinityBCCI.org or love family. Christian Foundation.org. Also, Life Lessons airs here on AM 1160 Sundays at 7 p.m. You can stick around for two more segments if that's okay. Thank you. I'm just going to keep picking your brain and <laughs> learning more about your heart for ministry and people. That's what's coming up next on the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hmm. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Just as a reminder, Brian Fromm is out of town. He'll be back on Wednesday. But we have in the studio my friend, Bishop Dr. Michael J. Love. You can learn more about his church at trinitybcci.org. You can learn about his foundation at lovefamilychristianfoundation.org. He also has a show right here on this very station, Sundays at 7 p.m. That's called Life Lessons. And uh, I, I mean, I'm a little, let me just be honest, selfishly, I just love having you in here because I just think you're a great guy and I think you have an incredible capacity to love people but also to cast vision for other people to do that well which is not always the case. Some people I think are They're great at bringing people together, but they don't know how to pass it off, right? They don't know how to give it away. And that, I think, is like the the very unique wiring of both you and your wife, who are both doctors, by the way, which I've never asked you. What are, what are your doctorates in? Like, what is, have you guys
2: studied similar tracks? No, my, my wife's, excuse me, my wife's doctorate is, is actually, is her PhD is actually in management business. No kidding. Okay. She she just completed that PhD about uh, the last year. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's a professor at Judson University, and my doctorate's in theology. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you guys just sit around and talk smart stuff
1: all day long? <laughs> you're like a mahogany den that everybody... you just sit around. You, we're <laughs> so normal
2: that we bore you to death,
1: <laughs> Well, and I've met your wife, too. And I love her, too. The, the oh, two of you precious. together makes so much sense to me. She's like, precious. you're such a powerhouse team, and I think that balance of the way that you... Your brains work, and the way that you study, and the stuff that you've learned, I think Judson is incredibly lucky to have her we're um, blessed to be a part of that which is fantastic and that's been a pretty big partnership actually in uh with regards to the foundation
2: in particular what what does that partnership with Judson looked like and meant to the city of elgin oh we've got a uh, that that's exciting we've got a number of different folks in that partnership we as a matter of fact, we just had a meeting with uh, Dr. Coom about a week and a half ago to talk about one of the expansion of one of our partnership. I'll take a minute if you don't mind. On no, that. please do. I'd love that. And so we were sitting down out of our leaders luncheon. We're always looking for ways to help organizations collaborate together and, mm. and how we can continue to partnership with Judson and expanding uh, the way that we come together for kingdom work. Love it. And one of those outreaches was uh, we have a, uh, we have a Jamaica ministry. One of our international outreaches that, that really has bubbled up big for us at the, at the foundation and the church Mm -hmm. is a Jamaica, is our ministry to Jamaica. And it has two prongs. The one is a, a a medical prong. So we have medical teams, uh, volunteers and nurse practitioners that go down awesome. once a year and they spend my team will be down there for a month but they'll spend a week down there with volunteers awesome and they'll do they do free screenings and they screen roughly about six to seven hundred people when they're on the ground they wow. do a, a great work and and all supplies are donated and you know we're working with organizations that that pour into that to help us really be effective with them mm-hmm. on the ground the other side of that is on the that's on the negril side of jamaica the other side is the work we do on Kingston side, the capital mm. side, which is the educational side. So we we started out by by doing uh, this is a two year old piece. This educational side of the ministry. Mm. So we do backpacks and uniforms. We work with the local schools and the churches on the ground. You, you know that process yep, yep. and try to help build into those communities Love uh, it. and and get the gospel to them while we're for supplying them with things that are needed on the ground. Well, while we were talking, my wife and I were meeting with Gene and, and some of his leadership team. I said, well, uh, how can we connect this? Uh, see, I, we got to get at the question of what's really in it for impact just the impact justice. And how can we connect right. the ministry? You've got Dr. Warren and Huntley Brown going down there, uh-huh. doing music ministries. We just met with them about that. Yep. And, and we've got an edu- we got an educational piece on the ground. So what would it look like if we were able to establish a pipeline from education from youth up to college and actually have some people coming from Jamaica – to Judson, come on, and and Gene, you know how quick Gene's mind is. <laughs> it's very quick. <laughs> oh, I tell you, he jumped. He jumped on it. He said, "Well, we can, we can, we can grant and scholarship some of those students." Oh man, I said. So now we came out of that meeting with an agreement on two fronts. He's gonna, he's agreed. I'm putting him on mic here, so he... <laughs> <laughs> he'll be here later. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so that that up to three students a year. Wow, that, that we can that our people on the ground would be doing pre screening through the high schools, and. uh and find those candidates. And our target is to make sure that when they come, they've got, they've got training in areas. They've got some skin in the game also. Uh-huh. but They've got training in areas that will be practical enough for them to go back and, and impact their communities. I love that. And when they go back and impact communities, this is big for me. When you go back and impact your communities, I want you to impact the family. Yes. I'm, I'm strong on how you change the family vision and dynamic on the ground towards Christ. That's so, good. so go back and bring vision to your community about how they can move not only economically, but spiritually and strengthen the family bond. And so that was one of the, that was one of those tentacles that one yep. of those spokes in the wheel of a yes. collaboration. That internationally we were we were able to do so you know we're doing spiritual counsel things together uh-huh. you know so we sponsored the prayer breakfast for the first time from them there which we, was awesome it was great uh, we praise God we're able to bring that together that awesome. and, and do that the leaders luncheon is one thing is another thing we'll do a we we'll do a faith in action banquet in September yep. at the site that we we'll want to bring. Leaders and pastors and, and and believers together around the table and kind of share our vision and just kind of give them a night out an evening out together. That's awesome. Uh, so so those are some of the things that hits the education realm mm-hmm. um, and and brings partnership together with what we do, what we want to do, what we have a heart to do, and what Judson is doing on the ground.
1: See you. You don't think like a normal pastor. This is this is what I find. I, I just find you so intriguing because everything that you just said, I'm like, where do I sign? Like that. That to me is so unique to a to a a local expression which is why i think that the church spoke as you said and then also the foundation spoke And I know that the Mm. the building for the foundation was was sort of a miracle story in and of itself which i've been in chicagoland since 2003 and that building has been a venue for a long time i've seen a bunch of like pretty intense shows at at that actual space and so to see it now in your hands doing doing what you're doing. like, Can you just tell us a little bit of the story of getting that building in the first place and oh, what it meant? Let me see. I'm going to try to box this into yes. our timeline if I can.
2: <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. This is a preacher's two minutes. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the underscore going. <laughs> so, you know, I'll tell you, we were meeting with these groups. I'm telling you about this love, uh, we call them love uh, Fox Valley group that meets yeah. up and down the Fox Valley. And we're meeting we were meeting in Elgin for the first time mm. at the church right across the street. And one of the pastors, the pastor of that local church across the street, was telling us a story about how the Green family uh, the, the, had given them that building mm. and gave them the the Masonic Temple next door when they gave them their church building. And I just finished, just, just finished completing a building cons- program at our church in Crystal Lake, just added a whole new worship center to our campus there. Oh, wow. And I leave that building, and the Lord— Prompts me and says, "This is your next project." No kidding. And I know, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm looking at this this this, this five story building and thinking, it's huge, nah, yeah, it's right. huge. And I'm thinking that like I like I need another project. <laughs> <laughs> really, like I'm full up on projects. Yeah, I'm <laughs> full thing. up on projects. <laughs> and and uh, and I and I chat about that project with the pastor, but they're not ready to do anything with that facility or partner in that at that time. Mm. And I just leave it. I said, I've got the blueprints, I've got the economic the engineering drawings. And three years later, the, they call me up from that conversation and hmm. say, you know, are you still interested in this building? And I said, well, our foundation might take it. Our, our church isn't. Right. But our right. foundation will take it. No kidding. And we started the construction. and I never set foot in the building. And, and the building was, you know, had water damage. All yes, through the building. Right. So it, it had been there for a while. Right. And so we began that process kind of, I mean, it was a true walk of faith. Yeah, because uh, it kind of scared me when I walked into the building. <laughs> Does it scare you anymore? No longer. I love the, I love the beauty of that. It, 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 it's, a, it's a step out. I love this. It's a, it's a Peter step outside the boat moment. You, yes. you, you, you asked me if you, you want to walk on water, and Jesus said, come. Let's let's <laughs> come. get some feet wet. Get right. some feet wet. <laughs>
1: All right, see, I'm going to ask you more about that, like where you get that passion. Like you even mentioned it sort of nonchalantly. Ahead. The Lord just told me this. I feel like, yeah. Pastors and lay people alike are asking this question all the time. How do I actually hear the voice of God? How do I actually know what the next thing he's leading me into? And your whole life has been kind of a hallmark of, all right, I'm going to get out of the boat and see what happens. And I would love for our last segment just to pick your brain a little bit about how you do that and maybe to encourage our audience a little bit and how to do that better. That's what's coming up next with Bishop Dr. Michael J. Love here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simkins. Brian Fromm is somewhere. We're not... We're not sure, actually. If you, if you find him, let it, let us know. We're, we're very worried. But I have in the studio Bishop Dr. Michael J. Love, and you can learn more about him and his church. The church website is trinitybcci.org. You can learn about the foundation at lovefamilychristianfoundation.org. You can also listen to his show, Life Lessons, that's Sundays at 7 p.m. right here on none other than AM 1160. And, uh, one of the things that I have always appreciated about you, I think kind of from the get-go, is uh, you you have this capacity to think way outside the box, even when it's terrifying. And maybe that's the most important type of outside-the-box thinking, because it's as a pastor, and I'm sure you get these questions all the time too, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know yeah. what the next thing? I feel like people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and people who are just encountering Him for the first time, both ends of that spectrum are always preoccupied to some degree with that question. How, how do I know? Yeah. And, and you've mentioned a couple of times so far this hour, like, hey, the Lord just told me this, or my wife and I were praying and we felt this nudge or we felt this longing. How, one, I'm curious what that experience has been like for you. And two, what encouragement would you give to people listening who are sort of thinking, I don't even know how to hear the voice of God because they hear your story and they think, Man, I want to do something great like mm-hmm. the loves are doing. I want to be a part of something like that, mm-hmm. but are, are maybe caught in either fear or doubt or or like you were saying earlier, just isolationism.
2: Like it's it's safer yes. here. What what encouragement would you give the people? You know, I begin to think as you ask that question, it, it's making me reflect back a little bit over some mm-hmm. of my, my my experience, and and as I think about how God's kind of nurtured and 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 walked me through this process of trusting Him, yeah with the With the small, medium, and big things of life um, and then proving himself out in the process mm. take, taking me taking me to where asking the question that's beyond that's that's bigger than me yes and then and then inviting me to step into that vision that he has yes. for me through the, in the kingdom and then as he as I take that step, i'm back to Peter again mm. as I step outside that boat and land my feet on water and actually realize there's support underneath of that. Mm. Then it's a, it's a human concept of how we how we begin to build that trust in the one who's called us to take the step. That's right. And and knowing that it goes beyond, you know, knowing that the task, for instance, when I mentioned last segment, when he when he laid on my heart to step toward this new big building that was nothing I was looking for, right, right. much larger than I expected. Right. You know, huge undertaking. Process, huge right. undertaking. I mean, and 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 and. The analytical, logical side of me says, okay, how are we going to resource that? You know, Pastor. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's the dollars and cents? All the spreadsheets. Can stuff. I give you just a quick antidote on that Please one? Please do, yeah. So I walk, I walk uh, this is the Judson connection again. <laughs> so I have this building, and we've gone through a year just cleaning it out. Uh-huh. That and took a year? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You it all can see the look on his face it, right yeah. now. <laughs> it, it was amazing. It was amazing. <clears throat> and so the Judson architectural leadership team I'll try to make this quick, pastorally quick. <laughs> <laughs> the Justin Architectural Leadership Team walk into the building. They asked for a tour of the building. I walked mm. them through the building. And it was cleaned up. It still hadn't been, no renovations had taken place. Mm. And they're walking through and you can just see their eyes getting big because they have a, they can visualize what right. this had looked like and what it could look like right. when it's being done. And, uh, and I walk them through all five levels of this thing, which takes a little time to walk yes. through, the two of them through that thing there. And they're standing over in the corner, and they literally are like kids, In I'm telling you. <laughs> the, 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 these I are the that. dean, and they're, they're, they're literally they're jumping up and down. They're giddy. That's so They're cool. giddy at this building, <laughs> at, the bridge, at the concept of this building. And they come over to me, and they say, they ask, they ask the, 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 the normal, the analytical question. They say, Pastor, What's the budget? <laughs> For this building, <laughs> what did you tell them? <laughs> I, uh, uh, and I could. <laughs> this is a pastoral pause on radio. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't toss a number out to them. I said, "Listen, I know what it would cost me yeah. to hand this off to an architectural design type of an individual." I, right. I said, "Because I just finished the building. Right. This is him preparing me for this new task. Yes. This is how God is prepping me uh-huh. to step into a new." As how do how do I know? Because he's shown me already yes. by building this campus over here that it could be done hmm. with with w- under under a budget number that someone had given you before. Right, he would bring the pieces and parts together, and now he's saying I've got something even bigger. I need you to look at something larger to look at. So he built that faith aspect into me from smaller to larger. That's beautiful. The project to larger. And so I basically tell him, you know, it's going to 100 to $150 a square foot probably what it's going to take. You know, 50,000 mm. square foot, you do the math, $7.5 right. Okay, okay. Right. Th- that's that's what we'd probably be looking at. He said, but don't look at me like I'm a guy sitting over here with $7.5 million. <laughs> right. dollars. You know that's not right. the case. You're not cutting the check. <laughs> that, right? Exactly. So God has to do this. Hmm. It's going to get done. He's made the call. The weight of walking obediently is on me, hmm. but the weight of resourcing this and making it all come together is on him. That's beautiful. So that's why I put my faith and be, and be patient enough for him to work all these details around me, bring right. the people to to the project that he feels like needs to be on the project. Right. And so that he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish and and doing this together.
1: So do you feel like that's where it comes from? Like everything you were just saying there reminds me of, I think it's in Luke where he talks about, man, be faithful in the little things. Mm -hmm. Then you'll be trusted with much. We want to skip over the small stuff. Oh yes. Like, Lord, give me this big vision. (laughs) Give me this, like you're not being faithful with the time and resources you have right now. Do you feel like over the course of the last few decades, the Lord has been kind of growing in you uh, a faithfulness and an obedience and, and even trust amidst fear. Like, all right, I don't know how you're gonna do this, but I'm gonna put one foot in front of the next and God has sort of continued to slightly open the door a little bit further.
2: Like has it been yes. a progression for you? It absolutely has. It has been. Been. I mean you you nailed it right mm. there. And you you see it more clearly at least with me, I've seen it more clearly as I've looked back over my history. Mm. I can see the, I can see the pinpricks. I can see the fork in the road moments. I can see how he's girded up. He's guided me away from some bad thoughts, some right. bad decision points, into some different decision points. Right. And I can see how he's just brought me through that whole process, and it's, it's taught me. It's just reinforced that, that, that faith walk mm. with him to the point that. If he now says, okay, I've got a vision for you, and it's, and it, it's clearly clear consistent with the purpose he's and the plan and the and the heart he's placed inside of me and and the people I see around me and the concepts that he wants to accomplish in and through me, yes. it's like, okay, hey, you're telling me come out the boat? I'm, I'm coming out the boat. See, and I love that perspective
1: because probably you would say, I imagine there were seasons that in the midst of that season, you're like, I don't see what God is doing in this oh, at all. Oh, absolutely. But 10, 15 years removed, you're like, okay. Yeah, I see a little more clearly, actually, which is, you know, that's the that's the kind of perspective that we all hope to have. But it's hard to see when your nose is right up against the canvas. Like, what on earth am I doing here at this job or in this neighborhood? And I I know that you so there's there's so much that I love about you. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time. And I would love just in the last minute or so for you just to just to give us some wisdom, some hope, because part of what we're finding is that a lot of people who listen to the show are Christ followers or they're church leaders. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's plenty of people that don't belong to a church community at all and radio for them is sort of like dipping a toe in the waters. Would you mm. just take mm. just a minute or so just to, just to lay some hope on our, on our audience on what, what could be
2: if, uh, if they were willing to actually put one foot in front of the next, like you've been saying. Oh yeah. My goodness. That's, that's, that's Richie. And uh, you know, if, if you're out there walking this walk and and you at this point are not a, not a Christ believer, I just want to give you an, I just want to send an invitation out to you and mm-hmm. an, and an aspiration out to you to, to, to accept him And watch how he unfolds all that he has packed into you. He has designed something beautiful and powerful into your unique DNA. And the only way you can discover and unpack that and get to where your purpose and God's plan is for your life is to accept through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when you do accept him, this new creature concept, this new creature aspect will just open up doors for you that will just amaze you. It will blow you away with how God has designed skills and gifts in you. And then open doors for you. Take Woo! that step.
1: Woo! That'll preach. Friends, that has been Bishop Dr. Michael J. Love. You can learn more at trinitybcci.org or Foundation.org. Listen to Life Lessons, Sundays at 7 p.m. Dr. Love, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ian, for having me. God, God bless, bless you, my friend. Likewise, brother. Love you, man. Love you, man. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
0: It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your
1: hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. But disclaimer, though, that bumper... It's a bit of a liar. There is no Brian from. He's in California, gallivanting, as we say. Uh, but I am absolutely thrilled to have in the studio one of our only in studio return guests ever, actually. The one, the only. Give it up for my friend, Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey, Woo-hoo! welcome to the show yes. again.
3: I love being the second (laughs) ever returning guest. Thank you for having me. Well, and
1: the first was Hannah Gronowski, which I didn't know you know and like mentor. Yes, I mentor Hannah and have for
3: years. She's an amazing young woman. She really is. And I
1: maybe we'll get to that later because there's something about the way that the two of you think and see the world that, well, there's a reason that you're a return guest. I think that you just have incredible insight into stuff that. Most people find incredibly daunting and overwhelming. Mm. So, we're going to get into that in a second. I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you. Uh, Twitter, it's at AubSamp. If you're following along, that's short for Aubrey Sampson. That's right. You must go to Sampson.com. Their church website is bringrenewal.com. Her book, The Louder Song.com. We're also, both of us, speaking at a conference in just a Couple of Just days. Just two days. Holy cow. And we
3: both confessed we're not prepared yet. Not
1: even a little bit. My guess is you're at least mentally more prepared than I am. <laughs> might be
3: true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're curious where you can see us attempt to lead a workshop, that's at amplifiedconference.tv. I think that's happening Tuesday and Wednesday, but yeah. we'll be there Wednesday. So let's be honest. Just show up on Wednesday. Just
3: show up Wednesday. But the best here's. Day.
1: Okay. And here's one of the things that I didn't realize. Um, so you have two books that you've written. Mm-hmm. The most recent is uh, The Louder Song, right? And that's predominantly about lament. Yep. And uh, that's a topic I want to talk more about because I think it's it's just one that has eluded the church, particularly the Western church yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But your first book is called Overcomer. Mm-hmm. And last time you were here, we didn't get to ask you about that book at all. Yeah. So I'm curious, could you just tell us a little bit about that book and maybe some of the wisdom that you have now that it's been a little while since you published it?
3: Yes, um, Overcomer was a hard book to write. It was a good book to write, but um, Overcomer was about my experience of being sexually assaulted on a school bus when I was thirteen years old. Gosh, and um, it's not just about uh, you know heavy trauma like sexual assault. It's really about any type of insecurity or um, kind of wound or experience that you've been through that keeps you from being all that God wants you to be and, and living the fullness of life that God has for you. It's a book primarily for women. But, um, so I had this experience of being abused by two older boys uh, that were on the bus. My busing system growing up in Oklahoma city was really messed up because they Mm. bust middle schoolers with high schoolers. Oh, wow. So here are 12, 13, 14 year old kids on the bus with like 16, 17, 18 year old kids, which is just not a good idea. Right. Period. Right. And I was a young, impressionable girl, and the boys on the back of the bus were cute, and I liked them, and they showed me attention. And Mm. anyway, um, one day they invited me to sit at the back of the bus with them, which just felt like the greatest thing that could have ever happened. And you know, you can read the book, but. worse came to worse and I uh, the worst part about it honestly was I I got off the bus that day the bus driver didn't see what happened and I stood in my driveway and I just can remember so clearly having this moment as a 13 year old girl thinking I should go in and I should tell my mom and dad what happened right but this other voice in my head said no Aubrey this is your fault you liked these guys you liked their attention you thought they were cute You invited this. And at 13 years old, I believe the oldest lie in the book that what happened was my fault because I was female. And so that, um, kind of led me down this path of wanting male attention and making bad decisions and just really textbook stuff. But Mm. anyway, God stepped in, I'm telling you in my twenties, God stepped in in a powerful way. It actually forgot that experience happened, kind of buried it. And when I became pregnant with my first son, 13 years ago now, um, I began to remember some things wow. and the book is really about how God led me on this pathway to healing and um, really set me free from the shame that I was carrying from that time.
1: So I, one of the things, thank you by the way for trusting us with that part of your story. Cause I know that that's to call that painful is a massive understatement. I'm sure. And this topic of shame is one that I'm finding more and more is the root of a lot of yeah. our heartache and pain, not just for Christ followers, not by a long shot. Right. I'm curious what some of the response has been because one you're, you're taking a massive bold step, even in sharing your story Two, I I just think you have incredible timely wisdom. So it's not just a memoir. It's a, here's how the gospel has transformed my life as a result of that. Right. What, what's been some of the response from, from other women who have read this story, who have had similar experiences or have never had anything like that even come close to happening to them. Like what, what have you been hearing?
3: Yeah. I, I think I'll tell you some powerful ones. Um, One woman wrote me and actually said, I'm going to cry when I tell you this story, but she, she was in the hospital. She's hospitalized because she was suicidal. Oh my God. And she said, I'm sitting here in the hospital reading your book. And for the first time I have hope. And I know that's not just my book. That's the power of God speaking through my experience. But I felt like, Oh, I could die. Like I've done what I've i meant to do in life. And then I've had women who've just, you know, I don't write just about these heavy T traumas, but small T's like when you, you know, you feel overweight or you feel ugly or some of these terrible things that women sometimes mm. feel, you feel like an imposter. You're not supposed to be doing what you're actually doing. You don't right. know if you belong. Um, and so I've had women just come to me and just say, Hey, thanks for naming this. You wow. know, I feel this too, but I know that I have a bigger story and God doesn't want me to stay silent and small. And, Um, the whole book is based on Psalm 34, five, where David says that those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Yes. And, um, so that's what I feel like I just keep trying to instill into these, these women and men, but you know, it's a book mostly for women, but that when we look to God, he removes our shame. He replaces it with
1: his radiance. That's so good. Do you, do you find too, like, I, I forget that this is your first book, right? So your first book and you're getting emails or notes from someone who's suicidal saying, yeah. Hey, brand new author for the first time ever. I feel like I have hope. (laughs) Yeah. Like for you, was that the beginning of, oh, maybe, maybe this writing thing is something I'm going to do for a long time.
3: Yeah. For me that, um, that answered (laughs) like, should, why am I doing this? Should I be doing this? And I kind of felt like, I honestly felt like, okay, if the book was for her and her alone, done. Yeah. Worth it, worth the time, worth the energy, worth the research, worth putting my story out there if for her and her alone she felt hope. And that to me That's said so good. there's oh, there's actually some power in the written word that God uses and so I'm gonna keep doing this.
1: That's right. So why do you think why do you think that shame has become like you said, even big T, small T trauma, yeah. right? Like stories can be vastly different and yet and I don't know if you've had this experience, but in the very limited amount of pastoral counseling I've done when you really peel back the layers, it feels like shame is at the bedrock of Ugh. a lot of trauma and a lot of issues. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Why? Why does shame? Why, not only is it why so, so why is it so pervasive, but yeah. why why is it such a such a uh, a constant struggle?
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like a therapist could answer that probably better than mm. me. But I think one thing is, it's recently come up in culture where it's even okay hmm. to talk about some of these shameful experiences or shameful feelings or I think before we didn't even necessarily have a vocabulary or a name to put to it Right. and so we may not have even realized some of the things we were feeling was shame
1: right interesting you
3: know Um. and then I think I think in other cultures there are you know this is very western because we're so individualized we don't tend to talk about when other people shame you or when you right. shame other people. We tend to just think about me and God and my experience. And so that's a whole other realm of shame that we sometimes don't talk about. And then, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to over spiritualize everything, but at the end of the day, like you look at the Garden of Eden and what was the result of sin? It's shame, right? They hide. Yeah. And so I feel like over and over and over again, that's what we do. We experience some type of painful experience or sin and we hide in our shame. It's just human to do that, you know?
1: All right, that's a perfect segue to what I want to talk about next because your newest book is about lament. Specifically, it's called The Louder Song and I would love for you to check it out. You can learn more at theloudersong.com or aubreysampson.com. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of shame but then also lament and And the ways maybe the Western church has just missed the boat on this one, because I think it's a difficult topic for us to really delve into. That's what we're going to talk about coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is running from the law is what I heard last. So turn on your television screens. You'll see him... No, that's not nice. He's just in California. It's, it's untrue and not nice. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. But that other voice you're hearing is none other than Aubrey Sampson. You can learn more at AubreySampson.com or at AubSamp on Twitter. And uh, our second only in-studio return guest. And uh, I think that you'll understand more and more why. Because I think not only do you have an incredible capacity to make really difficult truths accessible, But I I think that you have a unique authenticity to you, Mm -hmm. which is so refreshing, particularly in in terms of church literature. I don't know if you had this experience. Sometimes you read stuff and you think, I believe what you're saying, but it feels like a facade or it feels like you're trying too hard to appeal to a certain. And so you wrote your first book about overcoming shame. Mm And so then you figured, okay, I'm going to take a, a jump in the more lighthearted direction and write, and write about lament, right?
3: Yeah, these are beach reads, airplane, airplane reads. Classic right.
1: Enneagram 4. Like we're going to talk about shame so true. and lament. We're
3: going to go dark, <laughs> quick.
1: But I'm curious why, because you, so you didn't, I'm assuming you weren't just like picking topics out of a yeah. hat. You're like, all right, well, I guess a book on lament. Like, d- does that book on lament, it's called The Louder Song, did that have anything to do with the previous book? Or was it just a passion area? Was it something you had been writing about or dreaming up or heard in a podcast? Like what, what was the genesis for writing a book on Lament in the first place?
3: So for me, I love the books that I love are books where people have um, like principalized their life stories, mm. especially when they've been through something that's difficult and maybe unique to them, but somehow can relate to readers. That's good. And so, um, the louder song similar to Overcomer is that it was birthed from sort of my own journey through a really dark time. Mm. Um, some grief that my family was walking through, my own illness. Um, I have a chronic disease that I was diagnosed with. And then our son was dealing with some spinal cord issues and had to have surgery and ongoing care. Wow. And so I, that was a season where I, felt like I, you know, I didn't know if God saw us. I didn't know if God was real anymore. Um, I thought, am I praying to the ceiling fan? What's going on? And so the, that book was born from me just saying, I'm not going to walk away from the Lord. I refuse Mm. to do that, but I have to be able to find him here. Yeah. I have to be able to access the Lord's presence, even though all I feel is his absence right now. Right. And so, um, finding the tools of lament and the scriptural, um, uh, model of lament, became for me the thing that brought me to a place of hope and then I felt like hey there's a world out here that's suffering right. maybe it's not my journey but it's their journey and how can they experience hope and and have permission to lament to God to cry out to God to say all the ugly things to God right. and know that he's not going to push them away but he's going to show up in a powerful way
1: well that's so that seems like the essence of lament in the first place that yeah. this idea that God would rather we scream at Him than walk away from Him. That's right. Right, like the silence of God doesn't mean the absence of That's God. Right. And I, and I wish I heard more people talk about like a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. We have a whole book called Lamentations. Lamentations right. Jeremiah and Job say things like, you know, what I wish I'd never been born. Even yeah. the Apostle Paul at times is like, I'm not totally sure I, I want to live or die. Like. Right. What are we to call those things? But right. lament, right? And yet our music tends to reflect almost always like major key joy, which yes. I'm, I'm not against. Yeah. Most of our sermons reflect victory and hope and yep. love, and I'm yep. for all those things. Yep. Why? Why do you think this thing that is so prevalent in our holy writ yeah. is tends to be so absent in our public expressions of faith?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is I love our I love America. But I think part of it is very American, right? It's just Mm. very Western Mm. to want to go to the mountaintop and want to tell like the the Rudy stories of like the we've had victory here, even though we're little. And yes, I um, I just for whatever reason, we haven't given ourselves, I think, as a culture permission to just stop and go, this really, really, really hurts. Yeah. Yeah. and then I think the other pieces, and and I do believe this is changing. Finally, in culture, with social media, this is one of the best things about it. We have been, especially as Western white evangelicals, um, closed off to other people's suffering. Oh, interesting. And um, so we haven't really thought about lamenting even on behalf of other people. And I think now that we're finally hearing mm-hmm. other stories, we can stop and we can say, oh, Lord, how long are you going to let these people across the globe or in my own country, in my own neighborhood
1: right. suffer?
3: How long until this ends, God?
1: You know. So, so that's a really great point. So, for you, lament isn't just about this personal expression of grief, but it is also this cry for justice. It's yeah. a cry for standing alongside the marginalized and the exploited and the oppressed. Which I don't know that lament is often linked to those things, but that's often, particularly in the Psalms, part of yeah. the prayer, like, "Hey, God." Did you miss us? Are you paying attention? Right. Like, what is, go- like, there's an us sense of like, I keep looking at my window and I see this happening and I want to believe. And it, like, is part of, like, for you, is lament as worshipful as everything else? Like, does it belong yeah. as much as all the other sentiments?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it does. I think we can bring the whole gamut of emotions to God. God wants that intimacy yes. with us, and that leads us to fuller worship of Him. Right. And um, I, d- I definitely think that communal piece of lament is all throughout Scripture, right? The, the right. protest laments, which are an expression of lament, are all throughout the Bible. And yet somehow we just, I don't know, we just don't know yet, but hopefully times are changing. And, I think and you're we'll right. we'll start to grasp it.
1: Okay, so you are also a part of a church plant, which yeah. is you were saying is three and a half three years and old. Three and a half years right? old, Renewal Church. Yep, Renewal Eagle Church Mort, in
3: West Chicago. West
1: Chicago. Bring I'm curious. I'm curious what that has been like planting with your husband and a team from Mission Church, right? Yep. There's a lot of people from there that were yep. kind of a part of that. Three and a half years in, like, yep. how how have you changed as a as a speaker, as a leader, as an author in the midst of like? You know, church planting can burn a lot of people out. Yeah. A lot of people are like, that's the last thing I did in ministry was plant a church. It is so hard. Yeah. Like, where where are you on that on that spectrum? Even Maybe even as an Enneagram 4 amidst all the chaos of all I that. I
3: just talked to a friend who's a church planter, and she said, I quit every Sunday. Just so you know, every Sunday, I decide I'm done. Yep, I understand that. And then that. I, t- I take the job again Monday. <laughs> and she said, her dad was a pastor. He did that for like 50 years. No he kidding. We quit every Sunday. <sighs> yeah um I love church planting I mean i I tell people this kind of tongue in cheek I don't know if I was a Christian until I was a church planter no kidding like it has built my faith watching God build his church has been absolutely incredible and I have found that um For me, burnout, you know doing church planting, doing preaching, doing teaching, doing writing, being a mom, all those things. Burnout doesn't happen when I'm doing too much. It happens when I stop doing the things that matter.
2: So when I stop
3: being in the word, when I stop uh, resting, when I stop being with my family, when I stop learning the things that actually fill my soul, that's when I get burnout got it so as long as i'm practicing the good spiritual practices and resting and enjoying what god is doing through our church i mean i'm i'm loving it i just i love it it's made me a better teacher a better writer a better practitioner and it's just Ah, it's just so good to watch God transform people's lives.
1: Which who wouldn't want to be a part of that?
3: Who wouldn't want to be a part of it? It's amazing. I mean, you want to quit every Sunday, but it's amazing. (laughs) And that's the
1: disparity that I find so interesting is because like everything you're saying, I imagine anyone listening is like, yes, I want to be a part of that. But statistically, the the number of people that dip a toe in those waters and they're like, nope, not for me. (laughs) I'm out. Maybe that's just a wiring thing. But like, it seems like you're particularly wired. To just love doing this work, even though yeah it's hard and difficult and tumultuous at times.
3: I did not want to. Um, I didn't want to do it at first. My, oh, really? Yeah. So I will say, my husband kind of dragged me into church planting, right on, uh, kicking and screaming. Not exaggerating. <laughs> I really was like, I don't. I do not want to do this. Um, and part of it, I had never really been around a church plant. And so I just didn't know, right. like, what do you do? You just open the doors?
0: I don't know. <laughs> and people know. show up. Yeah. Right, right.
3: But it, I mean, I'm telling you, there is nothing like seeing people baptized who have walked into your church and built relationships and come to Christ and they're yes. being discipled. You just are like, okay, Lord, you're good. You actually save people. You actually transform lives. I can do this for the rest of my life. Okay.
1: I have like a thousand more questions. Luckily we have you for two more segments. Hopefully you'll stick around. (laughs) (laughs) That other voice you've been hearing is Aubrey Sampson. You can learn more at aubreysampson.com or on Twitter at AubSamp. And uh, coming up next, I'm going to ask you a little more about church planning. I'm going to ask you about leadership and teaching in particular. And uh, what are some ways forward for the church uh, amidst all the chaos that is the local church? That's what's coming (laughs) up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, and it is a dance party up in the Woohoo! studio. That other voice that you are hearing, my friend Aubrey Sampson, you can learn more at AubreySampson.com or at AubSamp on Twitter. You can also learn more about their church at BringRenewal.com, the book, the Louder songcom We're going to be speaking at Amplify Conference on Wednesday at AmplifyConference.tv, which I don't know how you get a dot .tv. Is how this being broadcast?
3: It? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah,
1: it might be. Should that make us more nervous?
3: (laughs) I feel like we should be more prepared than we are for
1: for sure. Oh, I'm looking at my notes right now. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so so prepared. It's
3: not fair. fair.
1: All right. So here's here's just sort of the recap. You've written two books, uh, both pretty heavy topics. Mm -hmm. Right, The first about specifically overcoming shame, which I feel like we could talk the rest of the hour about. Um, And then the other book is about lament which is a beautiful book, by the way, I've read it. And I think it is such a timely necessary work. Mm. And uh, I hope the church pays attention because Mm. I think that kind of topic is something that the people that maybe are quote unquote outside the church, look at the church and say, well, they don't even seem to interact with the broken parts of humanity and the hurting parts of the world. And I think, that even lament as an apologetic is so, so important.
3: I totally agree with that.
1: But another thing, though, that uh, I think that you're really gifted at is not only writing, but preaching and teaching as well. And in your context, um, you you preach and teach fairly regularly, right?
3: Yep, I'm part of our, we have a preaching team. There's three of us that kind of rotate, and I preach regularly at our church.
1: Okay, so I'm going to ask you to get real honest then, if that's okay. Yep. What is, has what is that journey been like <laughs> Um, as a woman in leadership yeah. with clear giftedness, ha- have you always been supported in that regard or has that been a bit of a journey? Are yeah. there still hurdles that someone like me might not even be aware of, to be honest, yeah. just teach us a little bit.
3: Okay, um, So the first time I taught the Bible publicly, what I was a junior high youth pastor and um sort of had to do it every okay. Sunday okay. and I realized, Oh, I actually like this.
1: Really? hmm And you were surprised by that?
3: I was surprised by mm. it. hmm And I was in my young twenties and I had um, people in my church affirm like there's some gifting here, which surprised me. And mm. thankfully, I mean, this is a rare experience for a woman, especially in the evangelical church world. But thankfully I had a lead pastor at the time who also affirmed my gifting and he put really? me on a main stage on Sunday morning a couple times.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
3: And that was my first experience like preaching to a church. Still in and your 20s? Still in my 20s, okay. yep. And I um, really felt like uh, God's pleasure. And I felt like, oh, this is something maybe I'm created to do. Wow. And yet, of course, as a woman, there's a lot of opponents to that. And in fact, the first time I preached, I was in the hall and I overheard a conversation where uh, someone said, oh, Aubrey's preaching today. How exciting. And I heard a voice say, oh, she's not preaching. She's sharing. Stop. Yeah. And um, that sounds like nothing, but it was
1: no. That's something. it was something. Yep. Yeah,
3: it was a a heavy statement. And I knew at that point, okay, if I'm going to go this road, I'm going to have to be okay going this road because wow. there are going there are a lot of opinions about how I should be doing it and if I should be doing it.
1: Well, thank you for continuing to because I think that's mm-hmm. again even hearing you share like oh those are things that I've never overheard someone like people yeah. have said Ian's just not very good. <laughs> But there, I've never had to experience these yeah. these like slight, subtle shifts in language. Yeah. I'm curious how, how from that moment, what's the rest of that journey look like?
3: What's the rest of that journey look like? Um, I felt like if I'm going to do it, I need to get some actual training. Mm. And so I have gone back to grad school for um, theology, for preaching. I've tach- taken preaching classes so I can learn best practices and so that I can um, stand before God and stand before others feeling mm. like, hey, I, this is not just something I've called to do it something I'm equipped to do. And All so right. that gives me some more confidence before the Lord and before mm. other people. And then also, um, I have been blessed to have men and women support me along the journey. And again, I know that's not everyone's experience, right. but I have been blessed by pastors who have invited me to their churches or let me preach on their stages from their pulpits. And I feel really grateful for that. I know that's a big deal. And yeah. so I feel thankful for that. But then of course I was preaching at Mission Church, which we talked about recently, Mm -hmm. and someone sent me some Facebook messages, someone I don't know, with just, you know, a few of the Pauline verses about women being silent. And there were some verses in in Deuteronomy that I probably shouldn't say here that I would like to send back to him. (laughs) I just didn't respond. So there's, you know, there's always naysayers. Yeah. And you have to develop a thick skin, tender heart, thick skin, tender heart. That's good. I know what the Lord has called and gifted me to do. I'm thankful for the people that have allowed me to do it. I'm thankful for the honor that it is to preach. I never want to grow arrogant and think like, oh, I deserve to be doing this, you know. Mm. Um, But I have to have a thick skin as a woman and just know there's going to be opinions I have to wrestle with the Lord, Yeah. you know, right. and my community and right, and my community right. is affirming and that allows a woman to preach and teach and lead. So, See,
1: and that's a real gift. And like you were saying too, that your experience is in some ways unique, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. like I, I can't tell you how many stories I have, heartbreaking stories. Yeah. And I think uh, the church has, has got to get its head and heart around the ways that we've denigrated and diminished yeah. women's roles. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I, I could start preaching on that, I guess, but I'm curious just in your journey, are there books or authors or lectures or things that have really helped shape you in that regard that maybe somebody listening who's who's really not in, in any way uh, an affirming of this position that, yeah. you, that you would suggest he just... Give this a read. Just consider give it a shot. This. Just consider this. Yeah. Right.
3: I think there are two really good resources from very respected theologians. Um, Scott McKnight, who we were just talking about, yep. has an amazing book called The Blue Parakeet.
1: It's fantastic. Which I think
3: is just a great place to begin. And then there's actually a lecture that N.T. Wright gave a few years ago at Wheaton College. It may even been a decade ago now. Hmm. He talked about Mary and Martha. Um, you, I think you can actually find it online. You may just have to Google like N.T. Wright speaking at Wheaton about women And he talked about how Jesus inviting Mary to sit at his feet Hmm. was inviting Mary to learn in order to teach. Oh, wow. And that, I mean, I think every woman I was with at that conference, we sat there and bawled our eyes out because it was the first time this strong male theologian thinker academic was saying, actually, our Lord has gifted you to do this and allowed you to do this. And maybe we've considered some of these, we've built a theology around two verses and maybe we ought to look at the whole scripture.
1: Which, like what you were saying, with no, that's great. With NT Wright and Scott McKnight, these aren't uh, these aren't two renegades either. These right. guys both uh, deeply academic, yep. but also firmly rooted in their tradition. Yes, which I think at the very least is worth interacting with. And I know that there are people listening that are. At the end of the day, they're just going to disagree.
3: Yeah, and that's fine.
1: I think it is too. I do. There is, for me, part of that. Uh, it feels like sometimes the church has functioned with uh, an arm tied behind its back. Yeah. By saying, "Hey, sorry, we recognize that you are fully gifted." that uh, you've been anointed, whatever language you want to use, yeah. um, like, oh, can I have a microphone? Like, absolutely not. Right. And, I, and I wonder um, what places maybe that's led us to and what words of encouragement have you received even personally? So let's take it out of the academic sphere. Yep. What are some things that women maybe have spoken into you or over you that have, have really kind of given you the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the next?
3: Yeah, neck? I mean, I, I feel like anytime a, um anytime a woman preaches, anytime I've heard a woman preach, It's so it's healing. Mm. It feels very prophetic, even if she's not necessarily a prophet. Just seeing it happen is so powerful. And that's my experience. I've had women and men say that um, they're encouraged by seeing a woman on stage preaching the word, Mm -hmm. not necessarily being fluffy or flowery, but actually preaching the word of God. It's meant something to them because they've never seen it before or they've rarely seen it. And so I just, like you said, it's, I mean, I feel like it's not just... We're not just hurting half the church, we're hurting we're we're hurting the whole church mm. by ignoring or silencing this body, you yeah. know? And so I just feel like there are gifts that women have to bring to the table and it's going to be a powerful next generation of women coming I up. I know right. it. I can't, I can't wait.
1: I can't wait either. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it and I think you're a testament to that mm. to that gifting and that wiring and I'm so grateful that you have found yourself in environments where people have said, no, we recognize this yeah, gift. Me too. That's I'm a very gift. grateful that's, for right? that. And I think that's, that's incredible. I want to ask you a little more about that and then hopefully get some time to talk about the process of writing. Cause I think that's, that's kind of the behind the scenes piece that people have no idea about, yeah. especially if they're not a writer. So uh, I'm going to ask you some of those questions coming up next on the common good with Aubrey Sampson on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. That band is the band that Brian Fromm can never remember. If you're listening, they are called Modest Mouse. They're worth listening to. It's fantastic. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com. But all this hour, we've had the pleasure of having Aubrey Sampson in the studio. You can learn more at AubreySampson.com or at AubSamp. I can't encourage you enough. Get, just get both of her books, Overcomer and The Louder Song. They're both fantastic. They're insightful. They're honest. They're raw. And I want to kind of bring it full circle because last segment we were talking about, I mean, honestly, women in leadership yeah. and some of your own journey and struggle. But before that, we were talking about lament. And you were, you were kind of saying a little bit during the break about regardless of where we land theologically, that maybe it's time for the church to lament the mistreatment of women.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like, of course there are, there are brilliant people on both sides of this debate who love the Lord. And I think we can just all acknowledge that, you know, no one's a villain, but um, if nothing else, even if you can't get there to affirm women in preaching, teaching leadership, I do think the church generally needs to begin communally lamenting the sexism, the pain that we have caused women Hmm. and ask, under the theological, um, you know, hat that I wear, what can I do to empower women yes. Like before God? What can I do? And still feel like I, I am being full of integrity before God. So I do feel like that lament piece, just saying that women were so sorry. We've silenced you were so sorry. We've made you feel small. We're so sorry that we've said you're gifted, but we're not going to let you use those gifts. Yes. Um, that to me feels like some healing could happen in a really powerful way. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. And just in case anyone's listening and they're thinking, um, yeah, but there's no examples of women leading in the Bible. I actually put together this list. If you'll allow me, i just read it real quickly. I love this. I think this might actually be helpful for people. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Miriam, leading worship in Exodus 15. Deborah, leading Israel in Judges 4. Uh, Huldah, interpreting the law in Second Kings. Mm-hmm. Esther, serving God's people from genocide in the book of Esther. Mary Magdalene, the first to preach the gospel, by the way. Mary of Bethany, anointing Jesus as the Messiah. Mary of Nazareth, birthing the Savior of the world. Anna, the prophet in Luke 2. Joanna and Susanna, uh, disciples who traveled with Jesus in Luke 8. Tabitha, a disciple known for her good works in Acts 9. Priscilla, who corrected false teachings in Acts 18. Lydia and Nympha, hosting house churches in Acts 16. Phoebe, the deacon in Romans 16. And Junia, the apostle in Romans 16. So if you want to talk about... Examples of women in leadership—they're uh, there for sure, and I think you're called to lament, regardless of where we land theologically. Yeah. Like it's just true, yeah. And I think for the church to learn to lament that uh, is so powerful and so needed. And it's what I love about your writing because you—you you don't seem to just write from a place of like, oh, this would be a good thing to write about. Like it seems like it's birthed from. Oh, no, I have to write about this. definitely. And I'm curious for people that aren't writers. What is that writing process like for you? Like, how do you how does it go from like dream to concept to draft to like, oh, my gosh, I'm letting an editor see it (laughs) to cover designs? Like, I I really have no clue about how any of that actually feels experientially. Yeah,
3: this is a great question. I actually get asked this a lot because um, lots of people want to write books. Right. But I think I'm actually going to make this statistic up. But I think <laughs> it's something like uh, this is this is good for radio. It's something like eighty eighty percent of people want to write books. Ten mm. percent actually sit down and write.
1: I don't doubt that at yeah. all. Yeah.
3: Um, so the first step is literally. I mean, this is the best piece of writing advice: sit down at computer and type. You know, you just, <laughs> just have blank to, Word Doc. Yeah, go. Just, just do it. Go start mm. getting it out of your head. Mm. Um, for me, I'll write one or two chapters and then I will. Um, uh, edit 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 you have to write like your first draft is the worst draft you know and you just that have really to, is true that is so true Ugh. yeah it's so true it's you just have to get everything out of your head everything out of your heart it doesn't matter if it makes sense get it on paper Wow. and then you go through and edit it you okay. know then you go through and make it beautiful it's what god does with <laughs> us right we're messes oh, that's so good. god sanctifies that's what you do right <laughs> Um, and I love writing community. I'm part of a manuscript group and a, a writing group called Redbud Writers Guild. Hmm. And so I will, you know, send my chapter samples or whatever to some writers that I trust and they'll give me feedback. Hmm. And then from there, I'll just work and work and work and make it beautiful. And um, then from there, I usually like if you're writing a book, you have to do a book proposal and things like that. That can take a lot of work. But then, yes. Then I finally feel like it's ready for an editor to see or an agent to see.
1: All of that has to happen before you're ready to... Isn't that crazy? All that
3: has to happen first. Yeah, not everyone knows that. You have to do a lot of work before a publisher will look at it. Wow. And when you're a little bit further on in the game, you don't have to do quite as much of that, but right. especially at the beginning. I mean, that first book proposal you write can be up to 30 pages. The I mean, proposal is? Yeah, the proposal. That's all, it, I'm getting tired of hearing this, about right?
1: it. Holy cow. <laughs>
3: this is why a lot of people, they'll ask me, how do I write a book? And I'll start to tell them, and then they're like, oh, maybe I don't really. <laughs> like, I really don't want to do mind. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> start And a blog. this is traditional publishing. You can self-publish. Yeah. You can do other. You could start a blog. There are other ways to write. You don't right. have to go about the way I did. And, um, then you start, I mean, you outline your book and anyway, I mean, it's kind of a long, it's a long journey, but often it it does begin with, like for me, I'll be, I'll have an idea or a thought or a feeling and record it on my phone. And then later I'll sit back down and I'll write it out and I'll think, is there something here again, principalizing experience? Is there something here that might connect to other people Is there something in my story that I could pull out Hmm. that's not just about me, but someone else could learn from? And it's a journey for sure. Yeah, it sounds
1: like it. I'm curious, what is the, like, how difficult is it when editors start sending back sections? They're like, yeah, we're cutting this. And you're like, no, (laughs) we worked so hard on that section. Like, is that... Painful or have you just kinda gotten good to like I trust the editor, I trust your wisdom? Yeah.
3: Um, it's both and really? sometimes it's sometimes it is painful and sometimes you're like, oh, especially an editor that's good, you're oh, like yeah, right. Oh yeah, they're right. Oh yeah. Ooh, this was kinda ugly. I'm glad they caught that. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't, you know, they didn't let me go to prom with toilet paper coming out of my dress. You know what I mean? Like it's That's a good analogy. So though. it's it can be a little painful, especially when you're vulnerable, but often it just the book is so much better when an editor looks at it that yes. you're just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> all
1: right, I didn't prepare you for this question at all. And we only have like 30 seconds left. But what what's the next book going to be about? Do you have any sense of what that is? I
3: do, actually. I've started really? to work on it. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yep, yep. Well, that um, out there. Shoot. The next book is going to be kind of a, this is going to sound real churchy, but a priesthood of all believers book. So basically, if you're a follower of Jesus, that God has equipped you to be a fully functioning minister of the gospel. It is not just the preachers. It is not just the church leaders. It is not just on staff. Come on, You as a follower of Jesus are sent out on
1: mission for his kingdom.
3: So that's what that one's going to be about.
1: Any title ideas? Do you have any?
3: I have some really bad title ideas. (laughs) I don't want to share them. If anyone has any good ones, please, you can tweet me and tell me I need some desperately. Authors are notoriously bad titlers.
1: Really? Yes. Oh, well, for what it's worth, I love the concept.
3: Thank you. I, I, I think
1: that is so needed that you, that church isn't something that we attend for the show yes. and pay the professionals to do, that we are it's something we belong to and that yes. we're a part of. Yeah. And do you have any sense of when that's gonna come out?
3: No. <laughs> soon. <laughs> Let's say soon. I'm gonna believe it. Yes, soon. We are
1: too. I cannot wait. Go to com to learn more. Visit her on Twitter at AubSamp. You can go to the louder song, get all of her books follow her on Twitter. Aubrey, thank you so much for joining us again today. Thanks so much for having me, Ian. I appreciate it. This has been so much fun. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.